But right now, you could start a charity. You could start a business to address the problems that you want to fix right now. So why wait years going the political route when you can go as an individual and get solutions done today? Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back. Liberty Lunatics to another edition of Lions of Liberty, your home for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. And indeed, I've got another great conversation coming for you today in this, the 218th episode of this program. And that means you can take a gander at our show notes for this episode over at lionsofliberty.com slash 218. I'll have links to everything we discuss in today's show. The show is sponsored today by our good friends at Health Excellence Select, who have put together the ultimate free market solution for your healthcare needs. Find out more at lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a 2016 Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by Chuck Schumer in New York. If he wins, he will not only be the first Libertarian senator, not only the first Puerto Rican senator, but he will also assume the mantle of youngest senator. He is Alex Merced. Alex, are you ready to roar? I'm ready to roar. Roar. All right. Now, Alex, as I mentioned there, you got a lot of little boxes you might be ticking off here if you actually are able to win this Senate seat. And we're going to talk a little bit more about your campaign and all that great stuff a little bit later in the show. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit better. I know you've been in the Liberty scene for quite some time now here. So why don't you just tell us first how you got interested in politics and then how did you get involved more closely with the Liberty movement? Okay, got it. I'll start off with how I became libertarian. I mean, when I was young, I used to always be interested in like liberty stuff. Like uh, I used to love John Stossel in 2020. I read Anthem by Ayn Rand in, in our seventh grade English class. But what happened actually is I ran a comic book store while I was in college. And the store eventually had to close. So I was kind of depressed and I had like an extra semester of college to go through. So what I did to motivate myself is I bought a ticket to Manila in the Philippines. So I went to Manila for a month, didn't really have any plans, just went there to Just have on fun. a whim. On a whim. I love it. So I go there, and one day I'm bored, and I want to watch TV, and I'm looking for you know some sort of news channel. And the only news channel they had in English was Fox News. <laughs> so, of course, the debate, what they're showing is the debate, the one where Ron Paul confronts Giuliani. So essentially, if I never owned the comic book store and ended up going to Manila, I would have never seen the debate with Ron Paul. And we wouldn't be talking today. So it's just a weird sequence of events. That just got the ball rolling for you, huh? Totally changed the course of my path forever. Because basically, I got really interested in economics. I really wasn't politically active at that point. I really wasn't interested in finance and economics. But that sort of really spun my interest in it. And I started reading everything at Mises.org for like the next year, just literally listening to everything. And then I moved to New York. And in New York, I get involved with the Ron Paul campaign over there in Liberty HQ. And I start working on Wall Street and really kind of seeing finance up front. And that's just kind of really helped keep me interested over the years. And then later on in 2013, a guy by the name of Michael Sanchez was running for mayor here in New York City. And he drafted me to run for public advocate, which is kind of like the vice mayor in New York City. Gotcha. And that's how I got involved with the Libertarian Party here in New York City. Very cool. So what sort of reception do you receive to libertarian ideas in New York City? I'm actually from the East Coast originally and have a lot of family in the city, spent a lot of time there growing up. So uh, I know that it's not always really receptive necessarily to a lot of the things we speak about. 
Yeah, it's not the most uh, liberty-friendly place, but people usually are pretty receptive uh, depending on how you frame it. So usually I try not to go straight for government's evil, government's bad. I usually try to go for more for the individual empowerment angle, saying, you know what? We can disagree on what the role of government is, but let's think about this. Government, even if you think it can do something, it takes years for you to build a political coalition for it to be put into place, and oftentimes the result you're getting is often worse than if you did nothing at all because you end up with some sort of weird hybrid version of your original intended solution. But right now, you could start a charity. You could start a business to address the problems that you want to fix right now. So why wait years going the political route when you can go as an individual and get solutions done today? And why wouldn't we want to work on empowering the individual and preventing the government from getting in the way of individual empowerment and preventing those solutions from happening? And then that kind of gets people thinking a little bit differently because they in individual empowerment they can get behind and then that sort of gets them in that direction i've had a lot of success with that and that's why in 2013 when i went for public advocate i got 10,000 votes for one percent of the vote but that was still double the next highest vote count for any of the other libertarian candidates that year Wow, so that that's really impressive. And I mean, what what do you attribute to now many people might say, oh, one percent of the vote, but listen, <laughs> you're a kid who no one ever heard of, you know, probably a few weeks before this election. So I mean, why do you think there were people that went out and actually clicked that little box for you? I mean, part of it is I've been doing I've been doing YouTube videos, libertarian media since basically two thousand eight. Two thousand eight, I was really interested in the Ron Paul campaign and started recording videos almost on a daily basis. And then I got to a point where I was recording like two or three videos a day. So now I have like two thousand videos on YouTube just talking about anything libertarian. So I do have a contingent of people who voted for me because they were aware of me before. But a lot of people also over the years, because I teach as full time, I train people in, in the financial industry, the CEOs middle management, new hires all across uh, the financial industry. So I've also built up a, a good reputation among a lot of people over the years and got to meet a lot of people on a very regular basis and made a lot of new libertarians teaching. You know who you sound a lot like right now, and that's a guy I interviewed last week, and that's uh, Michael Pickens, who I know you're familiar with. And he had a lot of that same message about empowering the individual. And what's really holding a lot of people back is just uh, you know people's fear of acting, fear of the reception they're going to get from speaking out. How are you able to overcome that fear yourself if you ever even had it? Well, basically, I lost my shame fairly early on in life, but through a lot of embarrassing moments in uh, middle school and high school. So shame was never an issue. Can you give me one embarrassment? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've been pantsed in front of my class. This was actually in high school. I'm a musician as well. So there's actually, you can go on YouTube and see videos of me playing guitar and singing and stuff like that. But before that, I used to like to record myself singing on my computer and I'd burn them on CDs so I can kind of listen and kind of criticize myself. And one of those CDs fell into the wrong hands. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then people would just play them in the middle of like classes just to kind of like taunt me. <laughs> so I mean, once that happens, you know, there's just not much else that could really bother you. You know, I never really thought of it that way. But hey, I'll admit it. I had my fair share of being picked on when I was a kid. And I don't know, maybe that early childhood sort of roughness we receive from our peers, some of which is actually physical, prepares us for, you know, when you're an adult and want to speak out. Well, you know, I know that no matter what I say, I'm not going to get pants. So, I mean, how bad could it be? Exactly. I mean, after a while, you're just kind of like, okay, this is what's the worst that can actually happen. But what's the best that can actually happen? You make actual change. You change actual minds. You win hearts. You know, that's the beautiful thing. 
Another guy you really sound a lot like, too, uh, talking about empowering the individual. That's a guy, one of our recent candidates for the Libertarian Party's presidential nomination, and that's Mark Allen Feldman. That was one of his slogans. And everything that he talked about, he really emphasized, you know, ways to empower the individual. And in many ways, it's the same message as other libertarians spout, um, the non-aggression principle and that kind of thing. It can be the same message, but it's really come out in a different way, a way that I think a lot of people can really relate to. Oh, no, I totally, totally agree. And, and on a side note, love Mark Allen Feldman. Love that speech. He's great. It was great being a delegate and seeing that live. And it was great being with uh, C. Michael Pickens over there at the convention and working with him to help promote Larry Sharp. Because Larry Sharp's amazing and he is the future. But that's, I guess, a separate conversation. But yes, Larry Sharp's awesome. Larry Sharp is awesome. Now, we, we don't need to make that a separate conversation. We can talk about that now because I don't think enough people can talk about this guy. I regret that I didn't know that much about him prior to the convention. I didn't interview him as I did Alicia Dern. I talked to Judd Weiss. I had a couple of the other Phoebe candidates on, but I was so impressed with what I saw from Larry Sharp at the convention between his debate performance, his speeches, and the way he was able to build a coalition around him that almost got him. The, I mean, the very few votes did he miss getting that VP nomination on the second round there, and he was able to have anarchists endorsing him and dropping out. He was able to have all sorts of people dropping out and pushing for him. You know, I feel like he's really someone that pragmatists can look at and say, all right, this is a guy we can present to the public. This is a guy who's who really meets all those pragmatic kind of box checks. At the same time, he's extremely principled and can really speak about the ideas of liberty. So, I mean, to me, coming out of the convention, there's nobody who gained more libertarian clout with me, I think, from prior to the convention than Larry Sharp. Oh, yeah. No, Larry's awesome. Like, I've known him for a while because he's part of the, actually the same LP chapter that I'm in. So every month he comes in and does this. Uh, he always has some sort of point to make, and he always makes it very energetically. And then he actually helped me a lot. I wouldn't have probably gotten the Senate nomination if it wasn't for Larry's help, because towards the getting the nomination, he helped hone my message, discover my message, and really kind of be better at a, being a messenger. So Larry's a great guy. I can't say enough about him. And it was just great to see him at that debate because I literally like I'm sitting there at the debate. The debate ends and the lady behind me is just like having like libertarian orgasm. <laughs> yeah. Libertygasm, I believe it's called. A, a libertygasm. That's right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like I'm like, Larry, you got to see what you just did to this lady. So it was quite amazing. I have to say that was an amazing weekend to meet all these people that, you know, I've always just kind of seen on Facebook, like their statuses, share their statuses, chatted with here and there. But it was nice to actually build that coalition and feel like part of a family. Was that the so, first national convention you've attended or had you been to any prior ones? Basically, I've mainly been involved with the New York City chapters up until this year. This year was the first time I went to a state convention. And the first year I went to a national convention. So in the first year, getting involved with all that, I became a U.S. Senate candidate and got to be a delegate at the national convention. Rock on, man. Any other kind of events or stories that stick out to you from the convention? I mean, it must have just been a, an overwhelming experience in a positive way. Yeah, no, it was crazy. I got to meet a lot of great people. I got to meet Johnny and Heather from the Rocket Launchpad. Friends of ours, Yes, yes. I saw them at the panel. I heard them on the panel you guys did some time ago. So that was pretty awesome. And who else did I meet? I got to meet Mark Allen Feldman, but I met him before at the New York convention. Most of the candidates I met at the New York State convention. So basically, most of them I got to say hi with again and whatnot. The only new people I got, I finally got to take my picture with McAfee because I didn't get a picture with him when I saw him before just because... It's hard to pin him down for more than a second because that guy has a swarm of people around him 24-7. And then there was the Judd Weiss party. Oh, and I finally got a photo from Judd Weiss. So I know you're waiting still for yours. I'm also <laughs> waiting for mine. I've gotten mine taken, but I haven't, uh, you know, he's buried under mountains of photos. I'm sure yes. mine is lost somewhere in the, the 2016 uh, summer pile. <laughs> 2015 summer pile, I should say. 
<laughs> yeah, no, same here. So hopefully uh, I'll see that photo at some point. But it was nice to finally meet him. And that party that he organized with the butterflies and the, the gymnasts and all that stuff was one of the most interesting political events I think I've ever experienced and I probably will ever experience. You basically walk out of the business meeting and then there's basically – Girls in these big butterfly costumes, people on pogo sticks, leading you into this sort of circus party that's just sort of this beautiful, ethereal event. It was exciting. It was interesting. It was unique. And then plus you had Megacon next door. So you were confused. Which, you know, People were kind of confused if this was a, something with Megacon or something with the Libertarian <laughs> Party. And then I got Is to hang Butterfly out with the Butterfly Lady a superhero or a libertarian? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like, oh, she's a libertarian. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. So, I mean, it sounds like a great time. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend because uh, some jerk had the idea of getting married that weekend uh, that I'm friends with. So, you know, I, I guess people don't plan their weddings around Libertarian Party conventions. So I, I couldn't Agreed. make it out. But but I did uh, find myself glued to C-SPAN on my laptop for a solid 12 hours uh, the other week watching it. So it, it really became, for Liberty nerds, it was a captivating event. I have no idea how the regular public might view it. But for me, it was just uh, compelling television. Yeah, I was surprised how many people watched it. My wife was watching it, and she's not, like, particularly libertarian, and she was enjoying it. And she was, like, really enjoying Nicholas Starwork and his ability to keep order. So, like, she was really into that. It's like, yeah, he really knows how to keep everyone in control. That was the number one thing that, like, stuck out me about Nick. I mean, the way he just calmly dealt with so much shenanigans and so much, you know, so many people coming up for their points of order, their points of information, and all of these things, and he just handled everything, no matter how ridiculous it was, with his very soothing, very calm demeanor. So he became the chair again. So I guess this won't be the last time we see him up there, but I think he did a phenomenal job uh, hurting all these Liberty cats. (laughs) Totally agree. Totally agree. So, Alex, uh, like we talked about, you've been involved in the Libertarian Party for a while, involved in discussing the ideas of liberty. Uh, so what made you decide to take that next step and run for such a high office, run for the U.S. Senate? Well, this was mainly because Schumer. I mean, there's no worse foe to liberty than Schumer. I mean, literally probably every week coming out with some sort of new way to get government involved. So when I heard that it was his seat coming up this year, I figured this is the time to really speak out and put the fight them because he hasn't really had a competitive fight, I think, like ever. I mean, Wendy Long, who's going up against him as the Republican candidate, she went up against Kristen Gillibrand in the last Senate race. And she lost, I think, by the worst margins that any Republican has ever lost, a Senate race in New York. So in that case... There really isn't much competition for Schumer. So I felt, hey, you know what? I've built some attention over the years. I'm good at getting the word out online. I'm more than glad to go out, shake hands and kiss babies. Let's give this a shot. And you know, when it comes to Chuck Schumer, a lot of people, I mean, I guess the Republicans, they just put up kind of a paper candidate against him because they figure, well, he's going to win anyway. I mean, who cares? We'll just put this lady up there. She didn't do well last time. She'll be our sacrificial lamb this time. So do you see the weakness, the potential weakness, I guess, of that Republican candidate as as opening up even more of an opportunity for you to get in there and have a true opposition voice to Chuck Schumer? Totally, totally. Like, basically, the response I've been getting has been great. Republicans who really want someone who's actually going to put the fight to Schumer have been getting on board. Bernie supporters who don't like Schumer because, one, he is bad on the NSA. He's quoted as saying he's to the right of Rand Paul on the NSA. He's for eminent domain. He voted for the Iraq war. So there's not a lot of love lost between Schumer and Bernie supporters. Bernie supporters have been getting on board as far as they want to vote. So we're building a very good coalition of sort of the anti-Schumer vote. And then basically, hopefully it keeps growing. And we're going to be going across the state, hitting the media, trying to get the word out there. And um, so far, it's been so good. And it's only I've been the candidate for a little bit over a month now. And I have to say the response has been amazing. 
Now, are you the official Libertarian Party candidate? Was there any sort of you – know, how, how does the Libertarian Party at the state level decide who their candidate is going to be? At the state convention, there was me and another candidate who's now our congressional candidate, Michael McDermott. He was our governor's candidate a few years ago. So me and him, we gave speeches. Basically, both of us kind of campaigned leading up to the convention. And then, again, this is where Larry became – was very pivotal because basically Larry really helped me to hone my message. Everyone saw my videos. I still put out these videos promoting my candidacy. That got me a lot of points because they were really well. They look good. They look good and basically uh, had a nice website and whatnot. And that's something that a lot of libertarian campaigns oftentimes lack. So we had a much stronger web presence than your typical libertarian campaign going into it. But then I also had to make sure that I could deliver the message when I stood up in front of everybody. So Larry was integral for me for really being able to nail that and winning the nomination last month at the New York State Convention. But again, it was all very amicable. Me and Michael McDermott, who was, who was the other candidate, he is now the congressional candidate over there in Suffolk County running for the third district. And me and him marched in the Cannabis Day Parade a couple weeks ago together. And we've been campaigning together because we're both wanting to take the fight and spread the liberty message here in New York. Alex, I want you to take just a minute or so to think about the future of your campaign, the direction it might be heading in, because we're going to discuss that a little bit more after I take a minute out to tell our listeners about our great sponsors at Health Excellence Select. Now, I'm a freelancer, and I purchased my own health insurance, and I was hit by some serious sticker shock after the implementation of Obamacare. My premiums and deductibles were skyrocketing, and as someone who keeps myself pretty healthy, I knew that I was getting a raw deal for a product I simply didn't want. This caused me to seek an alternative, and I found an amazing alternative in the form of health sharing, a killer concept where healthy individuals agree to share their medical costs. That's right. It's a voluntary free market system for paying for your health care that also, thanks to an exemption, covers the Obamacare mandate. Our friends at Health Excellence Select have kicked it up a notch by creating a full service package to handle all of your health care needs. Trust me, I'm not just a proponent of health sharing. I'm also a client. This has been one of the greatest things I've ever done to leave the Obamacare system in favor of what our friends at Health Excellence Select are doing. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. And don't hesitate to give my man Jeff Cantor a call at 440-283-684. Four, nine. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. Now, Alex, I know a lot of people are going to hear about your campaign and, and hear the words you say and think, you know, this is great. I love that this young man is running for Senate. I love that he's going to be out there as a voice for liberty. But then they're going to say, but come on, he doesn't have a chance to win. <laughs> so what's your response to that? Do you think you have an, an actual chance in a, realistically to actually compete with Chuck Schumer? Is there a way you can envision literally taking this guy's Senate seat? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been told that I can do things plenty of times before. I mentioned that I owned that comic book store. We started that from scratch. We were just two college kids. I was a college junior with no pennies to my name. Literally, we took out about $10,000 in credit cards and did this on a whim. We're just like, hey, let's, I, you know, basically we're both, me and my buddy, we're both in a weird spot in our lives. So we're like, hey, let's start a store. And everyone's like, are you really, are you serious? You think you can do this? You, You got nothing. You have no experience. Whatnot. Why do you think you can do this? And a couple months later, we had a store, and there was a line around the corner for that first day that the store opened. And that place was packed for months. Basically, no one would have thought that years ago that I'd be training CEOs and CFOs of financial firms. When I originally was never interested in finance, I have my degrees in popular culture studies and marketing. So 
basically, people have always told me, I'm not sure if you, you know, you always set your sights a little high, Alex. I'm not sure. But I've always come through. Uh, so I have to believe. I love that criticism. Oh, you always set your sights high. Well, where are we supposed to set them? Are we supposed to set them low? I mean, are we supposed to aim for the lowest possible thing we can achieve in life? Or do we aim for the highest things we want to achieve? And maybe we don't even reach it. Maybe we don't. But if we don't, we're going to learn from it and we're going to do better next time, whether that's in business or whether it's in politics. Agreed. But at the end of the day, I can only win is if I believe I can win. And I believe I can win. But more importantly, I believe I can get the message of liberty out there. But I mean, again, there is something important to winning and getting other libertarian candidates like Arvin Vora in Maryland, like Lily Tang in Colorado, getting them elected to the Senate because there are lives we can save today. I mean, there are lives being lost in the drug war. There are lives being lost in the wars we have abroad. Those are things that can change and lives that can actually be saved. So there is a value in winning, but there's also a huge value in getting that message out there. I think that's so true. And you often get objections to some level of libertarian political activity, even among libertarians, because libertarians will say, well, hey, you're not going to really change the system. You can't fight the system. You can't. Voting is violence. You'll hear things like this. But at the end of the day, like you said, there are lives at stake. Okay, you can actually influence things in government, even if people might tell you you can't. Somebody's doing it. Somebody created those bad drug laws in the first place. Somebody ordered those drone bombings in the first place. And just like somebody did those bad things, it takes actual human beings to come and undo them or to promote good things. So I don't understand really the argument that you can't change anything because every one of us can change anything. And that's that really is the crux of your message, that the pro-you campaign. I know that's something that's, that's yes. big on your website that you push, the pro-you message. I'll let you get into that a little bit more. I know that's, that's something you touched on earlier. But what's the crux of that pro-you message that really is a, the centerpiece of your campaign, I would say? That's true. I'm running as the pro-you candidate. The idea is that I'm running on that message of empowerment, the idea that the solution to our country's greatest challenges don't lie within government, but within you. I'm not fighting to be the answer. I'm fighting to make sure that you can be the answer. I'm fighting that you, so that way you can choose how to improve your education outcomes, your healthcare outcomes, for you to sit there and develop that business that's going to change things forever. For example, I mean, I saw, I read a piece today that the FAA was interfering with some business that wanted to start like an Uber for airplanes. So again, you see how government gets in the way of allowing you, the individual, to make the changes that really improve our lives. I mean, airplane tickets aren't cheap. It would be lovely to have an Uber for airplanes and helicopters and get around a little bit more. But if you know, government intervention. So I'm there to protect your ability to choose, to make individual choices so that way you can be a solution. I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to fix everything. I'm just sitting here saying I'm going to try to make it easier for you to fix things. That's why I say I'm the pro-you candidate. It's a pro-you message. I'm here for you. Let's get to some of the specifics of the issues that you speak about, not just on your kind of on your campaign platform, but what are Mm -hmm. the issues that are most important to you when you're out there speaking about liberty? You know, what really pulls on your heartstrings? What's your passion? What do you like to speak about the most? Needs opportunity. So, for example, people always talk about income inequality, income mobility. Now, income inequality, maybe again, a lot of it, whether it's even an issue is debatable. But if there is any inequality that shouldn't be there, it's because of government intervention. And I always say there's three ways. There's three ways that people can advance themselves in life. They can start a business, they can attain skills, so that way they can get up higher pay, or they can invest. And the thing is, the government has intervened in those three ways. By making it harder for people to move ahead, it also makes it harder for people who are well-established to 
fall down in a sense. So basically, upward mobility, when you lower upward mobility, you also lower downward mobility, and then you end up having that sort of separation between the top and the bottom. So the three areas I focus on is when we talk about investments, there was a law of Sarbanes-Oxley that made it more expensive for companies to be public. The problem is, that means companies become public much later on in their life cycle, which means people cannot invest in them until they're already big. So that means when the company's at its smallest, and that you can get the most gains and the most wealth growth from it, the only people who can invest in it are accredited wealthy investors. So in that case, basically the way the law does, it stratifies the basically the most valuable investments only to the rich. And then basically by the time all of us can invest in it, the potential gains are a lot less. So of course, that's going to have an effect. Two, when it comes to getting skills and new jobs, occupational licensing, yes, maybe someone in the middle class and above can afford to take three to six months to take a test. So for example, I train people for Series 7 licensing, Series 63 licensing. Sometimes people take three to six months to pass their Series 7 license. A lot of kids can't afford to take that time off. If you're a single parent with a kid, you can't take the time off so that way you can have the opportunity that's on the other side of that license. So once again, it makes it harder for the poor to stop being poor because those opportunities are taken away from them. And number three, all the red tape when it comes to starting a business, all the complexity of the tax code is very intimidating to anyone who wants to start a business. It's scary. You want to start a business, you have this great idea, but you're just scared that a little bit of paperwork is going to send you to jail. And then basically all the other rules that make it hard to start a business, that makes it hard for the person who typically would want, that maybe has a good idea, but can't necessarily afford the lawyers, the accountants to start a business, that they can't. So basically, I want to get rid of those barriers to those kind of opportunities going that prevent that upward mobility that keep people down. So those are three areas. And then one other area is monetary policy. Now, again, as a senator, you can't really do that much regarding monetary policy, but monetary policy has an effect as well because that inflationary effect devalues your wages, which is, makes up most of the wealth of the poor, while increasing the value of assets, which makes up most of the wealth of wealthy. So all these things contribute to any actual inequality that is out there. But that has nothing to do with the free market, it has everything to do with government intervention. And these really are areas where you can relate to people in because there's not a day that goes by I don't hear someone complaining about prices. Prices of this going up, prices of that going up. And maybe they're blaming uh, evil corporations or something and maybe they're looking in the wrong direction for the answer. But the fact that they at least see the problem gives us the opportunity to say, oh, hey, I've got the answer over here. I can maybe shed some light on, on what you're upset about and here's some things we may be able to do about it. Agreed, agreed. That's why I've been trying to make like several videos that sort of really focus on Connecting to the problems that people see every day. Like there was this one recent video I did. I think it's called Youth Rising as a campaign video that really focuses on saying, you know what, for people our generation, you know, we grew up thinking that, oh, you know, if you just go to college and you graduate, everything's just going to be okay. You're going to find a good six-figure job, get a nice house and uh, whatnot. And then what would you discover? You graduate with a whole lot of debt. You go to buy a house that requires you to go take on another huge amount of debt. You can't even get the loan. And the jobs out there don't even pay you enough to make the payments on your student loans. And this is the life that a lot of people our age have nowadays, and they don't understand the reason why it's like that is because of all the government intervention and lending that pushed up the price of housing, that pushed up the price of tuition and all that stuff. And here we are having the burden of all that debt from the past. Alex, let's just uh, play a little hypothetical right now, and hopefully it's not even that hypothetical, but let's just say you do what many might call the impossible. I agree with you that it's certainly not. What if you are able to topple Chuck Schumer? What happens? 
on Alex Merced's, I don't know if it'll be your first day in office. Maybe the first day you'll just meet people and, and get to the lay of the land. But would you have any ideas about actual legislation that you would be able to introduce as a senator that can address some of the issues that you've spoken to today? Well, I figure that the probably the smartest play if I'm in the Senate is to work on tripartisan legislation with senators. Uh, yep, you with will like, be. You will be that try. In fact, that third party if you are, in fact, elected. You got it. And then we got couple senators there that we can work with on a couple different issues, namely Bernie Sanders and Rand Paul. Both of them are both for reform of criminal justice reform, for uh, at least some measure of re- moving back on the war on drugs, moving back on wars abroad. So we can introduce legislation to that effect to start clawing back. And especially as those are the two areas where probably we're losing the most lives. So basically, I can work with those two. And then again, when you, as a marketing, from a marketing point of view, to sit there and say, hey, do you want to sponsor tripartisan legislation? That I think is a message you can get a lot of other senators behind and the media and whatnot to get those to move the needle on issues, again, like criminal justice reform. So I, first thing I would do is go talk to Bernie, go talk to Rand, and start crafting legislation in those two areas where we definitely agree and start getting that introduced to the floor. Think about that, guys. In just uh, maybe uh, six or eight months from now, you you could have a press conference up there with Bernie Sanders, Rand Paul, and Alex Merced introducing legislation. Think about that. Who doesn't want to see that? I do, personally. Alex, I really do appreciate you coming on the show, talking about liberty, talking about your campaign. Before I let you go, why don't you just give everybody the roundup of how they can find out more about your campaign, how they can help your campaign, and feel free to plug away on anything else you got going on. I know you got all those YouTube videos you mentioned. I I know you do a podcast, so just plug Plug away on the whole deal. Got it. Okay. So here we go. My main website's alexmerced.com. So just to find out about everything I do, you can go to alexmerced.com. But I also run a libertarian media site, libertarianwingmedia.com. So if any of you guys would like to ever write for a libertarian publication, feel free to contact me to contribute to libertarianwingmedia.com. Now, as far as my campaign, the website's alexmercedforny.com. That's alexmercedforny.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash Alex Merced for New York. So that way you can see all the videos and images. But we also have a grassroots supporter group that's called the Alex Merced Grassroots Supporter Group. Join that group. That's to help organize not just this campaign, because again, my fight for liberty doesn't just end with this campaign. It didn't end with my campaign in 2013. It won't end with this one. This is for the long haul. So if you want to be there to help me move forward and get that message out there, please join the Alex Merced Grassroots Supporters Group. But I also encourage you to join the Larry Sharp Grassroots Supporters Group because Larry Sharp will be president someday. So first, he's going to win that governorship in 2018 here in New York, which I'm going to help get that message out this year so that way New York is nice and primed for Larry Sharp in 2018 and then on to the presidency after that. Okay, so definitely make sure you join that group. But again, alexmercedforny.com. Alex Merced Grassroots Supporter Group. I hope to meet all you guys and talk to you guys on the campaign trail. Alex, I literally, as you're speaking to me right now, just joined the Alex Merced Grassroots Supporters Group. So you got at least one more in there. And I hope many of my listeners will also jump in there and help you out and learn more about the campaign. Alex, thanks once again for coming on the show. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I wish you, I mean it, I wish you the best of luck because I would love nothing more than to see Chuck Schumer toppled and replaced by a great libertarian like yourself. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Great show. I love it. And keep doing what you do. Will do, man. Take care. Take care.
Okay, gang, I hope you enjoyed my discussion today with Mr. Alex Merced, candidate for the United States Senate. If you are in the state of New York, and I know I've got listeners out there living in the state of New York, you have the opportunity to vote for and support a great, great liberty candidate in Alex Merced. And not only do you get someone who can articulate the ideas of liberty very well and speak on these positions, but you have the double bonus by having the opportunity to unseat Chuck Schumer, truly one of the uh, most anti-liberty politicians that I think we have out there, certainly in the U.S. Senate. So what a wonderful campaign for libertarians to be able to get behind in Alex Merced. So please do look further into his work and please continue to look further into our work here at Lions of Liberty. Of course, you can find a new episode every single Monday, Wednesday and Friday, of course, when we have the great Felony Friday, John Odermatt's weekly look at the broken criminal justice system. You can support the show in many ways. But firstly, by sharing it with your friends and family. It is the absolute simplest thing you can do. Send this show to a friend or family member who you think might enjoy it. Maybe someone who you think it might rustle their feathers a little bit and get some conversation going. But that's okay, because that's what we're here to do. We're not here to indoctrinate everybody. Well, not overnight anyway. Maybe over time. But really, what I'm here to do is spark that conversation Try to get those ideas of liberty being discussed by as many people as possible. You can join that conversation that we're having by joining our Facebook group, our private Facebook group known as the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can find that just by typing Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar up in Facebook. It should come right up for you, or you can also find a link to it over in the show notes for this program, which you can find today over at lionsofliberty.com slash 218. Also, if you do subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, we do ask you to please go and leave us a five-star rating and a great review in those platforms. It's little things like that that really help us spread the word and get the show and more of those earbuds out there. Now, this coming Wednesday, I'm bringing an old friend back onto the show, a man who's been a guest on the show before. He's been a contributor to lionsofliberty.com, contributor to antiwar.com, and several other websites. A man by the name of Shea Machine Riley. Yes, right, my Irish brother will be back on this show to discuss the ideas of liberty, as we always do discuss here, as well as his recent departure from the U.S. Navy. So look forward to that conversation this coming Wednesday. And until then, folks, live long! And live free.